0: Um, Psalm 78 tonight is our text. The sermon title is a bit strange. Did you see that? Anybody get that? Sermon titles have been more or less geared more toward younger folks. I know some of you are scratching your head. Uh, The sermon title tonight, send this message. Can you read it? To every kid you know and something good will happen tomorrow. Don't break the chain. What what is that? Does that look familiar to anybody? How many many of you, we'll talk to the older folks for a second. How many of you remember chain letters? Did you ever pass chain letters in school? How did those work? You'd write a letter. Uh, what would you write? What would the letter say? The letter would say something like this letter originated in, 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 in Timbuktu. And, and somebody who wrote this, they, they had good luck and then it passed on to several others. And now it comes to you. Send this letter to seven of your friends before midnight and, and you will something great will happen. If you do not send it on, what happens? It's something horrible, horrible, always something horrible. Well, understand... Everything old is new again. And there's nothing new under the sun, as Scripture says. And, and kids still do that. They still send chain letters, except they don't write letters anymore. They do chain text messages. Chain text messages. And this would be one of those chain text messages. Send this message to every kid you know. Something good will happen tomorrow. Don't break the chain. Uh, kids still do that. I chose that title tonight because it's very important. We also have a chain we must not break. It is the chain of passing, passing along the, the faith. Now take a look this morning. I closed the sermon this morning with a quote and I want to bring it back tonight and see what you say about it. Christianity is always one generation away from extinction. What does that mean for us? I want you to talk to me. Christianity is always one generation away from extinction. What does that mean in general? And what does that mean for us? We must pass it on to to our children. Yeah, very very literally to our children. But it's not just our, our, our children. It's the next generation... All of us as Christians should be very, very aware, interested and focused upon the next generation. That's why as a church in the next few weeks, we're going to start beating the bushes for vacation Bible school. It's not enough just to have nice things for our children. There's a whole generation of children and we must always be passing the faith along to them. Yeah, this is the whole basis, the whole rationale for children's programs in church. Again, we take this for granted because Woodburn has always been a church that has cared about its children. Always been a a church with a very important heart for, for children. But surely you recognize that not every church is that way. There are churches, there are congregations that simply do not have a place for children. Maybe it's because the congregation has all gotten older. For whatever reason, there are congregations that simply don't have any young people. And I'm telling you, those congregations die. Literally, they die and the church closes its door. You must, you must be reaching the next generation. Uh, not only is Christianity always one generation away, as I said this morning, this church is always one generation away from closing its doors. Right now, it's happening. Right now, God's blessing us. Right now, our church is growing and, and thriving. But if we do not reach the next generation, this church will just absolutely fizzle. The doors close. It's over. It's over. Which brings us to Psalm 78. This is a marvelous psalm. Just going to read the first eight verses tonight, but this is a very, very important. Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. O my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying. I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. Stop. What are we going to tell the next generation? What's important to tell? The glorious deeds of the Lord about His power and His mighty wonders. For He issued His laws to Jacob, gave His instructions to Israel... He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. So each generation should set its hope, say the word, anew. anew. It's new every generation. This isn't like the ordinary antique hand-me-down that as it gets handed down, it gets rattier and rattier and rattier until sooner or later it shows up in somebody's yard sale. What we pass along from generation to generation becomes new with every generation. Each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. Verse 8, then they will not be like their ancestors, their parents, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. I'm play a game with you. This, this game is called uh, You Do the Sermon, okay? I want to show you something. I want to show you a visual aid tonight. I want us to think about a relay race, and we're going to have two very professional relay racers demonstrate this. Come on up, guys. This is Hans and Franz from the Austrian Olympic team uh, that they have come tonight to, to demonstrate for us. Uh, if you've ever been to a track meet, relay races are a lot of fun, but very, very important. A relay race is run not by a single runner, but by a team, always a team, multiple runners. Tonight, we have just Hans and Franz. This is our team, okay? In a relay race, the idea is to finish one long course, but each runner only runs one leg. They run their part of the race, but they carry, uh, it's called a baton, not the kind you twirl, not, not that kind of baton. It's a baton. Show it, show it, Franz. Yeah, right there. It's a baton. It's a rod. And that's the real thing. Uh, it's a baton that is passed from one runner to the next. When the baton is passed to you, it's your turn and you run. In one of those relay races, usually there is an exchange zone. And our exchange zone is right here. And you're going to watch Hans and Franz. You're going to watch some exchange and do a relay. You don't have to do it fast, guys. Uh, your parents paid good money for your teeth. Let's don't bust them on the pews. Uh, but if you would demonstrate for us. Uh, ready, set, go. Okay, here we go. Watch this happen. Here we go. All right. Okay, and now he goes. Exchange zone. See that? Keep going, guys. Remember, you're going to write the sermon. You're going to tell me how this applies to what we're talking about tonight. Here we go. Keep watching. Go Hans. Handing off to Franz. And there they go. Yeah? Here we go. One more time. One more handoff. Here we go. There you go. Go, Hans. Yeah, there you go. Good job. Excellent job. Y'all think that's easy? Does, does that look easy? Yeah. Actually, it's really, it's really not very easy. Let's, let's give it a try. How about Kent Powell, Terry Chaffin? You guys come. Can we borrow that baton? Come on. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Hans and Franz made it look pretty easy. Let's see how hard it can look. Here you go. (laughs) No, let's try it. Come on, guys. Try it for us one time. All right, here you go. All right, come on. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's harder than it looks. Here it comes. There you go. Very important. Good job, guys. Good job. Now, you write the sermon. How does that apply? What did you see? How does that remind you of what has to happen from generation to generation? You give me the points of the sermon. Let's go. What would you say, Brandon? There's a time frame. What do you mean by that? There's a time frame. Yeah, there's a zone. There's a certain space during which that handoff has to happen. Uh, there's a certain zone, a, a time frame. Brandon says, and that's exactly right. A time frame in which that that handoff must take place. What else? Good. Yeah, Emily. Yeah, handing that baton off is actually very difficult. And Kent and Terry, you guys practiced at home, I'm afraid. That looked awesome. The handoff is very, very difficult. And honestly, even at, even at the Olympics, if you watched the last Olympics, one of the American teams failed miserably because they couldn't manage to pull off a handoff. It's got to happen. The person handing it off cannot let go too early. You just can't do it. And the person who's taking it has to get a good grip or you drop it. And if you drop it, the race is over. Do you understand? It's all about the handoff. Well, you got to have something to pass off. Very basic, but also very essential. You've got to have something to hand off. Yeah, WB, did you say something? Preparation. preparation. It doesn't happen automatically. Not at all. This is something that takes a lot of work, a lot of preparation. Yeah, good. What do you say, Tony? Every runner has to run his own race. Absolutely. When it is your time, when it is your leg of the race, you've got to run. Nobody can run it for you. Each runner runs his own race. Dax, what do you think? You have to try hard. Absolutely. And you have to practice. You got to work at it, don't you? Have to work at it. Yeah. Yeah, Rhonda. Yeah, that's why you got that zone, that, that space here, because you've got to establish a rhythm together. It's almost like a dance, isn't it? A, a, a choreographed dance of getting those legs and those arms going so you can make a, a graceful handoff. Yeah, well, what do you say? Absolutely, one star runner cannot finish the relay for everybody else. It, it is a team, absolutely a, a team. Yeah, what do you say, Margie? Wow, interesting uh, the, the one receiving has to look back before he can look forward. And what about the guy behind? He's got to look. He's got to look forward. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it, and important. Yeah, yeah. How does this apply to passing the faith between generations? Can you make some connections for us? Everyone has to participate when it comes to matters of faith. You can't run the race for anybody else, Yeah, even our children. Yeah, what do you say, Joe Neal? Yeah, yeah, and and that's one of the first things I would say. In in watching our coach at Greenwood, and Wade does run on the track team there, watching the coach put together a relay team, there's a real science to it. And coaches can stay up all night long trying to figure out how to place the runners. You typically have a a, a team of four runners, and obviously one or two of those runners are going to be champions. They're going to be the fastest runners, and you know that. A couple of the others won't necessarily run as fast, and, and the real trick is figuring out how to place them. But I would say the very important leg is that early leg. That first leg is very vital. The one who goes first really needs to bust it. You need to have a good runner in the front. Now, why is that? Well, there's something mental about it. Yeah, No coach would ever put me in the front. Why is that? I disturb the others, Rhonda says. Absolutely. I can't set the pace as a runner. The one who goes first is going to set the pace. Others will watch her. Others will watch him. And they will figure out how this race is to be run. And if that early runner goes out and opens up a tremendous lead, if that early runner goes out and runs like the wind, I'm telling you, the others get a sense that's how it's done. That's how you run this race. And when it comes to us in matters of faith as the family of God, those of us going before, those of us who have others following us now, we've got to set the pace. They're going to look at us to get a sense of how this race is run. I remember being in physical education at Warren Central High School back in the day. It was a Horrible, horrible. I think it was Coach Burgess was was my coach. And when he was trying to make us run, one of Coach Burgess's favorite lines was always, my grandmother can run faster than you boys. My grandma runs faster than you. Of course, that was very inspiring to us. Yeah. I want to show you a verse about a grandmother. Open your own Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to tell you about a grandma who's amazing. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. Paul's talking to Timothy, of course, and he says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled, who? Your grandmother. You share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. Do you see how it gets passed down? you understand that Timothy's grandma runs faster than you? That's what the Scripture says. Timothy's grandmother was Lois. And that woman, I don't know anything about how fast she was physically, but spiritually, that woman could bust it. And that's what Paul says. What was it that she had? What was it that Lois had that she could pass on to her daughter and her daughter could pass on to her son? What is it that they're passing along? Well, what does Paul call it? I remember your... Genuine faith. Your genuine faith. Notice that Paul doesn't say, you know, that Lois, she was a perfect woman. She's perfect. It's not perfection that they're passing along. I promise you, what kids are looking for in in grown-ups is not perfection. But too often, we try to be perfect or we want our kids to think that we're perfect. But it's not about perfection. It's not perfect faith. Because none of us have that. It's not possible to pass on what you don't have. And you don't have perfection. But you can pass on genuine faith. Genuine faith. In other words, those looking at you, and you don't have to have children of your own, don't you understand? If you are a follower of Christ already, you should be ahead of others, and others are looking to you. It's still your responsibility to pass it on to others behind you, and what you're passing on should be genuine faith, genuine faith. In other words, if you do have children in your house, your children should not just see you reading your Bible In church, your children shouldn't just see you praying at at church because they can see a phony from a mile away. They'll pick up very, very quickly. Your children should see you read your Bible at home. They should know that you pray everywhere you go. They're looking for something genuine, something authentic. And if you only light up like a Christmas tree at church, your kids will pretty soon pick up with the fact that there's something not genuine about your faith. That there's something about you that has something false about it. Something not pure. It's genuine faith. I I promise you, kids can look past our imperfections. They know that we're going to stumble. They know that we're going to sin. They can accept that. They know we're human. But there's no excuse for not being genuine before them. For not passing on something that is authentic. At Woodburn Baptist Church, let's make sure that we have genuine faith. That those of us who are running the race ahead of others, that they can look to our lives and see how you run this race. That we run it with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength. We're setting the pace for others. Your children are more than likely going to adopt the kind of faith you have. And I pray... That the baton you pass off will be a baton of genuine faith. They're going to become like you are. Isn't it amazing? Paul can say, Timothy, I know you got genuine faith because I saw it in your grandmother and I've seen it in your mother and now I see it in you. It gets passed right down the line. Right down the line. Again, we said already that one of the important parts is that handoff, a successful handoff How do you do that? How do you hand the faith off to your child? How do we hand it off to the next generation? How does that happen? How can you guarantee that it happens successfully? For instance, by example. Yeah, I think that's important. By example. How else? Practice. Yeah, yeah. Track teams will practice handing off you should drive by the school when the track team is practicing relays because they don't practice running. The kids know how to run. They do some running, but they will stand there and practice handing off and receiving. It's really kind of funny to watch, but they practice handing off. You've got to practice that. The only way to guarantee a successful handoff is by a thousand and a thousand and a thousand repetitions. You've just got to practice. You've got to do it and do it and do it because one day you're going to to do it. And you're counting on that child, that next generation to take the baton and run. That means you can't just do it one time. You can't just let them graduate from youth group and then just hope it took. You got to practice. You got to do it daily. Back to the verse we read this morning from the book of Deuteronomy. I want you to see this one more time. Right here. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. What does it say? Teach them, remind them, talk about it again and again and again. Don't you understand this handoff is something that you've got to practice every day of their lives from day one because this handoff is the most important thing you will ever do. Please understand, if your child makes the honor roll and goes to college with a full, full, full ride scholarship and, and there they are and, and they make the dean's list and they become successful, and don't you understand? If that child doesn't become a Christian, if that child doesn't inherit your faith, that child will go to hell with a college degree. And then how successful will you feel on judgment day, parent? Don't you understand? So many parents spend more energy trying to get their kids in a good school rather than trying to make sure their kid gets into heaven. Do you understand how very crazy, insane that is? And I'm talking about parents who call themselves Christians. This is the most important thing we have to do as parents and as a church. We've got to hand this off to a new generation. We're always doing that. The moment we stop doing that, we begin to die as a church. We must pass it on. It's vital. And the only way to guarantee that it happens is that we practice this again and again and again. It's kind of like when you're raising kids and you want your children to learn about the birds and the bees. And in the old days, you would think in terms of having the talk. The talk. In other words, parents would count on if they did it at all, they might have a talk. One time when the kid is what? 8, 9, 10, 12, 18, I don't know. A talk. How well do you think that works to have a talk? I promise you, if you have one talk, your kid won't get it, will not get it. Your kid can absorb all of that in one talk. You're going to start answering questions they haven't asked yet. Did you understand? The most important things we have to teach, we have to say over and over and over. If you're going to pass faith along to your children, you must not think it's going to happen with a talk. A prayer. You must not think that it can happen in Bible school once a year. This is something that must consume your life. Consume your home life. This must consume you. You must be talking about God and God's ways when you're lying down and when you get up and when you're at home and when you're on the road. It's got to take over your life. Because children, the next generation needs to practice it a thousand, thousand times. Even in church. One of the things I like about Woodburn is the way we do allow children and youth, we allow them to step up and try things. I loved the other Sunday when the young men said the prayer before church. That was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. You see, they need that chance to practice in the zone of safety. They need that opportunity to preach, to teach, to sing, to pray, to try and fail while it's still safe. We must practice handing these things off. And we really need to give our children, the next generation, a chance to try it out, to practice a thousand times. We always have to be doing this. One of the things our deacons have always struggled with, and we're still struggling, is how to bring new deacons along. And we haven't found a way to do that yet. We've got to find a way to do that. We have too many young men in our church who do fine through youth group, but the day they graduate, we lose them. They're allowed to pray. They have youth Sunday. They teach Sunday school, all kinds of things in youth group. But in that very moment when that handoff becomes so critical, we're dropping the baton. We as a church, we're dropping it. We're not giving our, our young men and women enough opportunities to serve. It's as if we abandoned them and then you go get married. When you have kids, come back and then we'll know how to plug you back in. There's this amazing gap in our church life in which we have young adults who aren't serving. That's our fault. We're not passing something along. We have to practice it. We have to do it over and over and over because one of these days, our job is to hand it off. At that point, it's theirs. It's their leg of the race will be done and it's going to be their leg of the race. It's very important that that happens. Now let me say a word to all of us old people and I'll lump myself in that category for now. What is our job after we make the handoff? After you've handed the faith off and your children are grown and they're believers and they're in church, after we reach a certain age in church and we feel like we've served and now it's time to hand that off, what's our job after the handoff? Get behind them. You raise good boys. They know what they're doing. Get behind them. Do the work with them. Yeah, that's good. What else? What's the job once you've made the handoff? What's your job? Encourage. Yeah, I would say very, very simple. Your job at that point is just to cheer and keep on cheering. You cheer them on. What else would you do? But the problem is, this is very difficult for us. And I put myself in this category. It's very hard to hand it off. It's very, very difficult to start that hand off. And I'm already reaching that phase of my life. I am now in the 50% older section of our church staff. I don't believe it. I I don't understand. I used to be the young guy around here. Now there are half the staff and they're younger than I am. They're kids. I feel like I have to reach over and wipe Andrew's nose. It's it's staff meeting. I I mean, come on. It's amazing when you start having people coming along and I'm old enough to be their father. How did that happen? When did it happen that I now become the one who's getting ready to, to release? That's hard and it's hard for us. And the hardest thing to do is to make that release sure and then to cheer and keep on cheering. That's the hard part because too often, let's be honest, once we start handing it off, either we won't turn loose, which means they can't run their race, we won't turn loose, or we turn loose and then we stand back and we criticize them. I'm not making it up. Y'all have been in church long enough to know that's what we do. We criticize them. It's very hard for us to see them run, carrying the baton that we worked hard to pass off, and then we notice they don't run like we ran. They're running their race, and that really gets us. It is very difficult to keep on cheering once you see the next generation take it and run. But that's what we have to do. It's hard. It was hard for the generation before us. You've got to recognize that. It was hard for them. Very difficult. Don't you remember Some of you are old enough to remember when the baton was passed and a whole new generation of Baptists came up and they wanted to do something so weird, so crazy, it was so non-biblical. The young people wanted to put baptistries inside the church and baptize inside. And what did the old folks say? You can't do that. You can't do that. We have never done that. Was Jesus baptized in a tub? No. No. The old people had a cow because you wanted to baptize inside. Some of you remember that. Do you remember how hard that was? The only way to make it work was to bring in the baptistry, make sure it was the color of water, and then what did we paint behind it? Picture of an outdoor scene. Try to fool the old people with bad eyes. Make them think they're outside. We would paint an outdoor scene. It's as close as we could come. Try to make them think they're inside. Blow in their face. Tell them it's the breeze. We tried to make them feel comfortable. But we had to paint a river scene behind it. Trying our best to get that generation to understand that we can come inside now. There's a new thing. It's called plumbing. There's this new thing. It's called a water heater. We don't have to break ice to baptize people anymore. To understand, each generation comes and they take the baton faithfully and then they run their race. And the generation we're handing off to, they're going to run their race. And our job is to get behind them. Our job is to cheer them on. They're going to do it differently. They're going to want to sing other kinds of songs. You've got to understand that. So did you. So did you. I love the old red book that Alan Martin used to sing out of. I love the old red book because if you open it, and I'll do it for you one day, you open the old red book, and you know what it says on the inside? This is the old red book with all the songs that a lot of you love. You know what the old red book is? It's a collection of contemporary songs for the new generation. Oh, yeah. And you know who wrote most of the songs in the red book? This young hippie. Named Bill Gaither. I'm not kidding. Do you remember when you wanted to start singing Gaither songs, and the old folks couldn't take it because you weren't singing "Bringing in the Sheaves"? I still—I'm old enough to remember the day when people started liking to sing. Let's just praise the Lord. It was a praise course by Bill Gaither, and I can remember that that song was Baptist dynamite. It could blow a church wide open. Why? Because it had this line that said, let's just praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let's just lift our hands toward heaven. We ain't singing that. I'm serious. We wouldn't sing that in our church lest somebody think they could actually raise their hands. We don't do that. Do you understand? That red book of contemporary songs is now an old book. And you need to understand that the generation coming up They're gonna bring in their book just like you had your book. It's what happens. It's what has to happen. We have to hand it off to a new generation. They've got to receive the faith and we have to pass it off in the most genuine form, in the most authentic form. We have to live it, teach it, know it, but at some point we've got to pass it off to them and then they have to take it and run with it and they will run and they will run and they will be faithful and we have to get behind them and we have to cheer them on. We must cheer them on, Because if we don't, they won't be around here very long. They'll go somewhere else where they can run the race that God has for them. And we will slowly bury one another and one day close our door. Back to the scripture, that last verse, which is so haunting, so horrible. That's not what I expected. Each generation, verse 7, should set its hope anew on God not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands, then they will not be like their parents, their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. Some of you in this house tonight, one of the the most painful things of your life is the fact that you don't feel like you handed it off very well to your children. You're a believer and you always intended to, but it doesn't seem like it took with them. Now you're very concerned for your grandchildren. This is what the scripture's talking about here. You're still on the team. You're still alive. You're still a believer. It's still your responsibility to pass it on. Sometimes a generation is missed and how tragic and how horrible, but we still can't stop until the race is complete. We have to continue making sure that the baton gets picked up and passed on. For some of you right now, your hope is in your grandchildren. You still pray for your children, but you're putting everything of your heart into those grandchildren. You want to see them grow to love the Lord. You want to see them have a genuine kind of faith that their parents seem not to have adopted. I'm saying it can happen. It can happen. I know some of you as grandparents... Have family that live out of town and your prayer is always that your grandchildren will find a church. Find a church somewhere where they can go and and, and worship and be welcome and invited. A church that's alive. I just want to remind you that we have a responsibility to be that church for other people's grandchildren. Your children, your grandchildren may live away, but there are others who are praying that their children, their grandchildren will find a church where the gospel is preached and where the faith is passed along and where young people are encouraged to take the faith and run and run their race. And we've got to be that church for our children, for our grandchildren, but also for other people's children and other people's grandchildren. It's about a whole generation That desperately needs to know the Lord. It is our job to pass it along to every kid we know. If we do that, something good will happen. The race will be run with victory, and one day we will all see Jesus together. Until then, we have to run, and we have to make sure that those behind us are able to run after us. Any final thoughts? Yeah, Claude. Yeah, Claude, that's beautiful. Claude is saying that in a relay like that, those who run first, they don't get to see the finish. They don't always see the finish line crossed. that That's our church's past. We need to make sure that's something we pass on to the next generation, that they keep that sense of openness for everyone to come into the family of God. Yeah. Anything else? Any other thoughts at all? Yeah, Ken. Yeah, the, one of the advantages that my generation and those before me have had was a country, a nation, that, that had a basic Christian um, fundamental assumption and a moral um, foundation that is not going to be there for, for those ahead of us, I'm afraid. And the race will be more difficult for that. Uh, and that is a, a, a great heartbreaking concern. But the Lord can bring revival to our nation as well. That That's part of what we're hoping to see as the next generation comes. Others, yeah, Joe Neal. He believed in giving people opportunity. Yeah, it's hard, hard to hand it off. or hard to see others uh, succeed in some ways where we've even failed. Yeah. Well, let's have a word of prayer together, brothers and sisters. Why don't you stand? God, we thank you for those who have passed along to us a beautiful and genuine kind of faith. We thank you, Lord, for mothers and fathers and grandparents and Sunday school teachers and deacons neighbors, and pastors, all those, Lord, who have brought us to the place where we are. God, it is sometimes alarming to reach the age where we realize that our leg of the race is so very painfully short, but important. God, help us all to continue running the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Help us, Lord, also to be very, very mindful of those who will come behind us. Lord, let us set a healthy pace for them. Let us think very carefully about the way we will hand off the important things to them. And let us practice it a thousand times, a thousand times until the day, Lord, when the race is in their hands and upon their legs. I pray for the children, the youth of this church. I pray that they will see something genuine in us. They will not see perfection, Lord but let them see something authentic of your grace, of your face in us. God, I pray that young people in this church will be encouraged, that we can get behind them, that we can support them as they try and fail and then as they succeed. Help us, Lord, all of us together to run this race set before us all the way to the finish. Thank you, Jesus, for the privilege of running with you. Strengthen, Lord, our weak knees tonight. Help us, Lord, to run. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Business meeting. We're going to call it to order in about six minutes. Very short agenda tonight. So if you're a church member, please try to stay.